Men, isn't God good? All the time. God is good. You guys are awake? Okay, just making sure. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, you're awake, but your baby's not. Good. We'll be. We'll try to keep it down a little bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm glad you're here this morning. My name is BJ. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. We are, we are concluding a series this morning called Important Reminders. And these are important reminders that are foundational in our faith. They're foundational to what it means to be a follower of Christ. So if you received a bulletin as you came in, I want to encourage you to get that out if you want to take some notes and jot some things down. I've got an outline there for you. If you're watching online, we send that out in our bulletin. If you're not on our email list, make sure you call the office this week. Get on that email list. We'd love to uh, make sure that you are connected with all that's going on in the life of our church. Important reminders. I want to recap a little bit. Last week, we talked about how our faith and trust go hand in hand. So we, we talked about and we defined what faith is. Faith from the Hebrews writer says, it is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And then we added to that a little bit and we said, what is trust? What does it really mean to, to put our trust in our faith in God? And so trust is when we stop just believing in something, but we start doing something with our faith. We put action behind it. Trust is an action verb. It's something we do. And we talked about the trust fall and Thankfully, Matt caught me, or he might not have been leading worship this morning. Amen? Just teasing. I don't, he's not even in here. Yeah. <laughs> no, we had a good time, but we, we, we realized that with our faith, it's not just enough to believe here. We've got to make the transaction to where we begin to trust in our heart. We, we begin to do something with our faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very traditional passage, a very familiar passage. You probably could recite it with me. Why don't you read this with me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I put some emphasis there because it says, trust in the Lord. It doesn't say just believe in him. It says, put your trust in in him, submit to him. I, I want to encourage us this morning that I believe the fruit of our faith should be more trust in God. The fruit of our faith should be more trust in God. And as I've been praying and preparing these messages these last couple of weeks, God has been reminding me to remind us that these are important, important reminders for our faith. The fruit of our faith should be more trust in God. And today I believe that God wants to remind us about our hope that we have in him and how that should drive us to love like him. So let us, let us unpack some of those definitions. One of the things I have found in life that as we communicate with one another, sometimes words mean something different to each one of us. I don't know about you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I know in our home, there's times where I've had to say, wait a minute, time out, pause. Will you define that word for me and what that means to you? Because that word means something different in how I'm receiving it today. So I want us to get on the same page. You may not agree with these definitions, but it will help us to have a common understanding. Amen? All in favor, say aye. Thank you very much. 
So what is hope? What is hope? Here's how we're going to define it today. Hope is this. It's the feeling that what is wanted can be had. That events will turn out for the best. That's what hope is today, okay? Hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had and that events will turn out for the best. One of the aspects of hope that we must talk through, that we must realize today, is that we all have a personal, individual hope. We all have a personal hope. We all have things that we are hoping for as individuals. There, if I could be so bold, there's sometimes that we have a selfish hope, okay? A selfish hope. And we, we are hoping that something happens in our life and we're hoping that it happens or that an event will take place that really only affects us or so we think. We have a personal hope. Hope gives us something to look forward to, Amen? It gives us something to look forward to. You see, I know, I know I'm, I'm a football fan. And as much as you guys and some of you are baseball fans and, and different things, when the beginning of a season starts, we have hope. And I'm so glad that Tyler's not, Tyler's not here, is he? Good, I can talk about him. If you don't come to church, we can talk about you. That's how that works here, Okay. This week starts the NFL season. And those of you that know me know I'm a huge Denver Bronco fan. And I have hope this year that we're going to win. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think about it on a local level. The, the Sockies had a huge season last year. We won two games. Amen. I tell you, after week two, we're already halfway there as a Saki football team. Amen? Yeah, we won a road game this week. We have hope. We have something to look forward to. I can look forward to Friday night and going to the game and seeing good football. <laughs> we have hope. <laughs> we have something to look forward to. Here's the, here's the other thing, though, that's the other side of this coin in our personal lives, the personal hope that we have. If we do not have hope, without hope, we have nothing. Without hope, we have nothing. Nothing. There's a couple different types of hope that we experience. We have the personal hope, individual hope. And, and Paul writes about this in Romans, Romans chapter 5. He says this. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Let me just ask you a quick question. Only answer this as you as an individual. If you're married, don't think about what your spouse will say. Don't think about what your kids will say. Just answer this for you yourself, your individual hope. Do you have a hope that one day you will go to heaven? Would you just raise your hand? Amen. I assume every hand is raised. We want that hope. We want to look forward to God's coming glory. Amen. Paul's letter gives us a confident assurance that the hope we have in Christ Jesus will be made sight one day. It will be made sight through our faith. I want to also remind you this morning that Nobody else 
can give you this kind of hope. Nobody else can give you their individual hope and it become yours. It must be personal. This hope comes from an individual decision to trust, put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you this morning, nobody else's hope for heaven will change your life and save you from your sins. You personally have to make that decision. You personally have to decide, today I am putting my trust, I'm going to do something about it, I'm stepping forward in my faith and saying, Jesus, I accept your gift. I will take this on myself. I will accept it because now I have a hope that one day I will be with you in heaven. Nobody else can do that for you. You have to make that decision for yourself. You have to begin to put your trust and faith in God for your salvation. And it becomes an individual hope, something to look forward to. Amen? Paul continues in his letter to the Romans in chapter 15. He says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's that word again, trust. We have to do something. We have to respond in action May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him. It's an individual hope that we have, but I'm so thankful that we don't live on an island. You're not in this alone. This individual hope is lived out in community. And when it's lived out in community, then we have a common hope as well a common hope. Romans 12, Paul writes again, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. You see, God didn't create us to just live in our individual hope and don't do anything with it. He's called us to live in relationship, to live in a community, a common hope. You see, we can all have, all, we can all have hope in this world for eternity. We can look forward to it, but I don't know about you. I don't want to go to heaven and be the only one there. Amen? That would be pretty scary. We get to what we've been looking forward to, and then all of a sudden, nobody's there to enjoy it with. You know, there's times when, in not too recent history, there were times of coming in here on a Sunday morning, and there was nobody here to enjoy worship with. Aren't you glad that we can do this together? Aren't you glad that we have a common hope? Aren't you glad that we have something to look forward to together? You see, I, I, I played basketball growing up. And the, the, one of the ways that common hope came about was on the, in the experiences of playing with a team. 
I remember one particular year we were playing and we had done well enough. We hadn't been undefeated. We didn't have such a great memorable season, but we got hot at just the right time. And we began to win games and we got into the playoffs and we kept winning and we were excited and we were so, we were having so much fun as a team. Practices became fun. Can you believe that? And as we were winning, we got to a place where we were playing for the city championship in Pueblo, Colorado. I know that's hard for us to understand here because we have one school, but in our city, we had five or six different schools that played against each other. We didn't have to travel all over the state like like we do here because we could play all right there in the city. So we're playing for the championship and we're we're playing and we played a good first half and we we were right there in it. And then all of a sudden things got intense. And so then we, you know, all of our starters got to stay in the game and the rest of us on the bench were sitting there. And as the game continued to go on, I remember sitting on that bench, listening to my teammates as they began to cry out to God. Teammates that probably the only way they knew God was because they would say his name in vain. But now that the game mattered, they were crying out to God. And I sit there and I kind of scoffed and I'm thinking, why are you praying about this? And sure enough, one of those people said, let's, let's join arms and just start praying that we can win this game. And we sat there on the bench and we, we linked arms and we just were praying as hard as we could. God, help us to win this game. Help us to win this game. Why? Because we had a common hope that something was going to turn out for our good. We had a common interest. We, we wanted to do this together. And I believe that's similar to what God is helping us to see that this reminder that hope doesn't just have to be personal, but it can be for all of us so we can experience it together. I believe God's reminding us that our hope should drive us to love as Christ loves us. You see, we have to do something with our hope. We have to live it out somehow. We have to show others why we have hope. How has Christ loved us? Does, 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 does he love us in such a way that we're able to practice that to other people? Has he loved on you in such a powerful way that it's changed your life? Well, guess what? He calls us to love like he does. See, we use the phrase a lot. And, and maybe I don't know, notice it much now, but I, I used to notice this a lot, where we would say, I love X. I love this or that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about it. There's some people that just really love a lot of things. You know who I'm talking about, right? They love everything. I love my couch. I love my curtains. I love my family. I love this food. I love, I love this. I love that. And everything is, I love it. I love it. And love is such a huge word that sometimes we're just so flippant with it. And we just throw it around like it doesn't mean anything. You know, I, I'm guilty of this too. I already said it this morning. Believe it or not, I, I love the Denver Broncos. That's a personal love that rarely anybody shares with me, okay? You know, I'll talk, people will ask me, you know, I was, we were leading a small group with the kids a couple weeks ago, and, and Alicia asked me to help with the kids, and we went around the circle as we were learning about one another, and we would ask each other, what's your favorite food? I can say to you this morning, I love pizza. Love it. 
I could eat pizza the rest of my life every single day. You know why? Because you can do so much with it. Just so good. Yeah. But then our love begins to change. Our love begins to shift. You see, those are, those are individual kinds of loves. Those are personal types of loves. Those are the kind of love that is, dare I say, selfish. It's only caring about what I care about. It, it is still the same word in our English language. It's still the same meaning, but it's like, I don't care if you love this or not. I love it. And it's very self-directed love. We use that phrase so much. And it's that individual kind of love. And then our love begins to shift. As we begin to understand love, hopefully we experience a love that grows beyond this individual type of love. And we include others in our love. A philea, a brotherly love, a, a common love beyond self. You know, once you understand love, maybe you were, you were blessed and fortunate enough like I was. I have some wonderful parents. And I'm not just saying that because they're watching today. I love my mom and dad. I love my mom and dad. I desire God's best for them. I want them to succeed. I want them to grow. I want them to experience all that God has for them. I love them. You know, it's, it's a different kind of love. It's a love that goes beyond. I have some dear friends that, that I love. You know, there's, there's people in my life that I've spent a lot of time with over the years. I've got a friend that I've been friends with. I know I'm not this old, but I've been friends with him for almost 30 years. That makes me feel old, Sally. It is, but I love him. I care about him. I care about his family. I care about what he's going through. I care about his hurts. When he hurts, I hurt. When he's rejoicing, I rejoice. When he beats me in golf, I don't love him as much. But I love my friends. You know, as I experience this kind of love, it begins to grow. And as you begin to spend more time with people, this kind of love begins to grow even more. And, and I remember as I was dating Alicia, you remember, husband and wife, do you remember that first time the other person said, I love you? One of these days you'll say that to your wife, okay? It, it's coming. No. <laughs> I remember sitting there with Alicia as we were dating and we'd been together for a while and we knew this thing was progressing and I looked at her in the eyes with the sweetest look I could say to her. And I said, I am so close to loving you. <laughs> she did not throw anything at me, but her first response without hesitation was, well, I already love you. You see, it's that love that's selfless. It's that love that grows. It's, it's love for others. It's a common love. It's a love that brings others with us. In your life, you could probably come up with some examples like this. Things that you love as an individual, but as you experience love, it grows and it includes more people. And I believe that's the reminder that God has for us. Today, he's realizing, he wants us to realize that we have a hope in something to look forward to that should drive us to love as Christ loves us. So let me ask you these questions. Think about these things. Who do you love right now? Who do you love? It's personal. Who do you love? What do you love? What do you love? 
And then when you think about those things, I have to ask this question, what is your motivation to love? Paul, again, is writing about this reminder to the church in Corinth, and he says this in 1 Corinthians 13, which we call the love chapter, but the last verse of this chapter says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But get this, the greatest of these is love. For us to understand that our hope should drive us to love, we need to understand what love is and what love is not so that we can be driven to love like Christ did. So very quickly, let's go through this real quick. Let me just, let me help us to understand what love is first, okay? According to scripture, love is patient and kind. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient and kind. Sometimes it's hard to be patient and kind, Amen. Oh, come on. I'm not the only one that thinks that. Love is not about us. It's about being patient and kind. You see, it's, it's, we need to understand this, though. It's impossible for us to have this kind of love unless God helps us to set aside our own desires, our own natural tendencies, so that we can love, be patient and kind without expecting anything in return. Love is patient and kind. Love is... Our highest goal in this same letter, chapter 14, this is one of those sections that, that I, I know we have to put breaks in the passage of Scripture, and, but this is one of those that could probably be included in 13. Chapter 14, verse 1, it goes on to say this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because verse 13 said, the greatest of these is love. Love should be our highest goal. Our highest aim should be to allow God to transform our lives so much that we begin to love like he loves us. Love like he loves us. That's a different kind of love. It's, a, it's, not, an, it's not an eros kind of love that's, that's personal. It's not a philea type of love that is, that is brotherly, that is friendship. The love that God has for us is agape love. It's Man, it's so hard to describe this. It's, it's eternal. It's perfect love. It's, it's the best thing you could ever experience. And that's what God calls us to. He reminds us that love should be our highest aim. God's unconditional love. You know, I think it's very important. Scripture tells us that nothing in this world can separate us from his love. That's really, that's really something we have to cling to in this, in this kind of message, okay? We have to remember that there is nothing that you can do, nothing you've ever done, nothing in this world that can separate you from his love. Where we get that mixed up is we think that that's the same thing with sin, and it's not. The only way you can be separated from God is because you have sin in your life. That's totally different. God's love is agape. It's unconditional. You could be the worst sinner of them all, and at every point in time, we have all been president of that fan club. Amen? And God still loves you. He agapes you no matter what. And that's what he calls us to. But you see, it's impossible to have this kind of love unless we allow God to transform our lives. 
to set aside our natural tendencies and desires so that we can love and not expect anything in return. So love is patient and kind. It should be our highest goal, but we also need to realize what love is not. And I'm so glad that scripture tells us this. I don't have to tell us this. Somebody say amen. Yeah. We can listen to God's word through this. Love is not this. Love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Wow. It's in God's word. It's, it's what it says. It's right there. It seems so simple, and it should, be, it should be something we could all grab. Love is not those things. Love is not jealous. It is not boastful. It is not proud. It is not rude. Love is not jealous. Well, pastor, I don't have any problem with jealousy. That's good. God bless you. Jealousy is one of those things that we're like, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had that and they didn't. Well, that's not even love. Love is desiring God's best for people. Well, if man, I won't, I won't go there. Love is not jealous. It's not wishing we had something so that somebody else would suffer. It's not jealousy. Love is not boastful, proud, or rude. When some, someone around you is prideful, you can tell, right? It's pretty easy to, to spot. When somebody else is proud, when somebody else is boastful. I used to have a problem when I played basketball. My dad had to check me on this a lot. I was a, I was a braggart. Does anybody know what a braggart is? Is that a, is that a word? I think so. I'd brag. I was the best shooter in the state of Colorado. I should have, I should have you put me in, coach. Come on. And and I was proud. I was I was boastful. I would I would talk high, more highly of myself than I needed to. People begin to boast and brag that they have more, they're better at. And it becomes very easy to spot this. But really being proud and boastful is another way that we're being rude. <laughs> it's easy when someone around us is living out this way. We can easily point it out and say, wow, that's not love. Some of us, we get called on it and we say, you know what? I know, I know it says love is not jealous and boastful and proud. It's not rude, but... The Bible also says that we have to speak the truth in love, and that's what I'm doing. Because I love them, I'm telling them the truth. But it also says it's not rude. It's not proud. It's not arrogant. So it's, it's one thing that when we say, I'm just speaking the truth in love. Are you really? If you come at it rude or boastful or, or putting somebody else down, you're not speaking the truth in love. You may be speaking truth, but it's not loving. It's not the way God calls us to. You see, it's easy for us to pinpoint it in somebody else. It's another thing when we put the mirror up in front of our face. God, help us. Help us, God, so that when we struggle with this way of life, when we struggle with loving this way, would you help us to not have love that's jealous, proud, boastful, or rude, because that's not love at all. Paul goes on to write, love is not demanding its own way. Agape love, 
unconditional love. Christ-like love is not selfish. In fact, it's completely selfless. The important reminder today is that we cannot love like God does unless we allow God to help us set aside our own natural tendencies and desires so that we can love and not expect anything in return. Amen? Love is not record-keeping. The Bible says it's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. You know, my, my wife, I've, I've talked a lot about her today and hopefully I still get to, uh, I don't have to sleep on the couch tonight, but um, just be careful what you tell her, okay? Um, the other day her back was hurting her and she's like, BJ, will you rub my back where, where it normally hurts? Sure, yeah. She's like, I, I know your back's been hurting, so if you rub my back, I'll rub your back. Sounds like a pretty good deal. But it's record keeping. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. I'll do something for you, you do something for me. You know, and we think that that's love. Well, I'm doing this out of love. I'm doing this because I care about you. Not if you're expecting something back. Not if you're expecting something in return. It's not the kind of love that God is calling us to. You see, if we get into this comparison game, it's, it's, a, it's a deadly trap. We cannot keep tabs in the love bank that God, is, that God has set up. We don't want to go down that road. Because if that were the case, we could never equate to the love of God because of what the love he has for us is. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us. None of us can equal that love bank transaction this morning. And because we can't equal it, that's why he did it. So we must be reminded that love keeps no record of wrong. Love is not about what you'll do for me, so I'll do for you. The kind of love that God calls us to, true agape, keeps no record, and it will love regardless of what is done in return. But you see, the, the reminder for us today is this. It's impossible to have this love unless we allow God to help us. Set aside our natural desires and tendencies so that we can love and not expect anything in return. So what does love mean to you today? Do you stay in an individual world, uh, world where everything revolves around your individual hope? Even your love is just individual? You see how this goes hand in hand? If we only have individual hope, then most likely we're only going to have individual love. But God's calling us to grow deeper. He's calling us to do more. He's calling us to put our trust in him, to have a hope that will drive us to love like he loves us. So I, I pray if you're in that boat today, the really cool thing is nothing separates you from God's love. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to grow. He wants you to move. He wants you to trust him so that your individual hope that you have in eternity becomes a common hope that you want your neighbor to come to heaven with you. And that hope drives you to love more than just, man, I love it when Dairy Ripple has chocolate ice cream. You know what I'm saying? 
And it takes you to that next step. Maybe that next step is, you know what? I know my neighbor loves chocolate ice cream. Maybe I'll take them to Dairy Ripple. Or wait a minute. Maybe I'll take them a gallon and I'll just leave it on their doorstep and not even tell them who it is. That way they can't repay me. Now, I'm, I'm being silly, but you understand what I'm saying here, right? The love God is calling us to is a love that's unconditional. It's a love, I'll tell you this, folks, it's a love that's hard to practice today. It's a hard practice today. But I believe God's trying to remind us today that the more that we become like Christ, the more love we will show to others without needing anything in return. Let me say that again. The more we become like Christ, the more love we will show to others without needing anything in return. What does this look like for you today? What does this look like for our church? How can we become more like Christ Jesus in our words, in our actions, in our trust, in our hope that drives us to love? It starts by putting aside our natural desires, our natural tendencies, and to trust God to change us, to love like he loves. John says it this way, John 13, 35, by this, by what's this? By this love, <laughs> everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you love one another. Our hope for eternity with Jesus should drive us to love like Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to say a closing prayer and then we're going to sing our closing song before we go. God, would you center our hearts right now? Would you draw us close in this moment? Maybe there's somebody here that needs to be reminded that you love them. That you sent Jesus to die for them. And that you desire nothing more than a personal and intimate relationship with them. God, if there's somebody here like that today that just needs to experience your love, would you wrap your loving arms around them in such a, a big way that they feel your embrace this morning? God, maybe there's somebody here that's just, they're struggling to love others with that agape, unconditional love. They're struggling because love is patient and kind. It should be our highest goal, but lately love has not been on our radar. God, would you help us, Lord, if that's us, would you help us to surrender that to you? Help us to trust you, Lord, that you can change our natural desires and tendencies and you can put within us a hope that drives us to love like you love us. And God, I pray that today, that as we leave this place today, God, you would help us to go out of this place today being living proof of your word being alive. And may the people around us see, God, that we are yours by the way we love one another. Help us, Lord, as we leave this place 
to love you and to love each other. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.